What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's, and welcome back to our bonus series covering all things Loki on Disney+. Plus. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. a variant of Mobius that may or may not be Lightning McQueen. And I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. a conniving, craven, pathetic worm. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. the guy who manages the fog machine for the Timekeepers. Somebody's got to do it. We hope you've all been having a great week as well as a week full of great content consumption. I checked out the Hulu original Cruel Summer this week, which is basically a cheesy teenage mystery thriller akin to something you'd see on the CW. Didn't really care for the ending, but it was definitely a fun ride that I would recommend if you want something with a bunch of twists and turns. What about you guys? Have you been watching anything good or new? Did you enjoy Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn Smith? No, she's garbage. She's terrible. (laughs) She was by far the worst in it. In the same episode, her character has two lines where she goes to her friend, can we go home and watch Clerks now? It's like, yes, we get it. Did Kevin Smith produce this? Did he ask you to put that in there? That's weird. So annoying. Um, as for me, I haven't been watching any TV shows, but I've been preparing for our upcoming comedy bracket next week. I just got done watching Old School. Ooh, I also checked out too. the other guys, Pop Star. So yeah, tons of tons of comedies coming in there. Nice, nice, right. nice. What about you, Keith? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've been watching anything new. Um, but like Austin, I've been preparing for a comedy bracket. So I, I think I rewatched Mo- Role Models the other day. I got to catch up on Grand Budapest and Old School. And as far as watching anything new, I'm going to start watching The Clone Wars here pretty soon. I started The Clone Wars, but I fell off pretty hard. But I have been enjoying The Bad Batch on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. That's the one I want to get into yeah, after watch Clone that. Wars. Okay. Nice. Good stuff. Along with that, if this is your first episode of The Arnie's, welcome. We're very happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Earlier this week, we closed out our favorite movies series with another one of my personal favorites, The Mask of Zorro. Keith, since this is one of your favorites as well, I'm sure it was fun to go back and watch that. So what were your main takeaways this time around, and how did our episode come out? I think the episode came out really great. Yeah, it was fun going back to this movie. It had been a while since I've seen it. Half the cast is you know, played by either English or American people, <laughs> but they're playing Spaniards or Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we decided that the next sequel will be called The Helmet of Zorro. The Helmet of Zorro. Check out the episode. Find out why. You might love it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But I absolutely agree. As for this coming Tuesday, it's time to bring back, like Austin mentioned, the bracket format. We're going to determine what is the best comedy of all time. We've done horror, we've done sports, we've done holiday, we've done rom-coms. We've done food. I guess food, yeah, food's a genre too. We've done movie scores. Movie scores not a genre, Austin. So here is another genre for us to get into. Uh, Austin, I know there have been some good and bad ones, like we've been talking about when we're doing this rewatch, so how do you think this episode is going to actually go? Yeah, I was telling Keith, this is one of the few brackets we've done where I genuinely just have no clue what is going to win. Usually I have an idea coming in like, okay, I know I know what Matt and Keith like, but yeah, this one, there's no clear front runner in my mind. I will say a few of these have held up way better than I expected them to, and then there's been like one or two that have just been like, ugh. So, I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited though. I think it's going to be a fun episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So be sure to keep an eye out for that episode when it drops. It sounds like it's going to be pretty heated. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Please subscribe to The Arnie's wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Leave us some reviews with your thoughts. And also, we do want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us, thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about all the stuff we're putting out there. 
And now, without further ado, let's get into that main topic. Loki is already halfway over, and it's definitely been a ride to say the least. I think they've done a great job with world building and setup. Episode 3 to me felt like the conclusion of that initial setup, since we finally got to see a whole episode with the Loki variants interacting in like a meaningful and um, just a big way. So now that that's out of the way, it left us with little idea how the second half of the show would play out. And now with episode four, for me at least, they've definitely taken these characters and set them on a new path that will take them and us to the finale, all the while pulling back the curtain a little bit on the show's mysteries. So with that, let's go ahead and quickly remind everybody on how we've felt about the show so far, and let's give them our non-spoiler thoughts on episode four. So for me, I've been loving Loki. Um, I thought the premiere was great. I thought episode two was awesome. Episode three, I was just surprised that it was a bit of a side story, and I didn't really love where they left the cliffhanger in episode three. I wasn't too interested in the whole planet being destroyed. Episode four, though, I gotta say, it's my favorite of the show so far. Um, I had some really, really fun moments for the two Loki characters and their relationship. We had a pretty interesting reveal about the timekeepers in here, and we also just had some really interesting setup for the final two episodes of the show. And episode four, I thought, did a great job hooking me back in and keeping the momentum going while also introducing some new mysteries for the show, too. I mean, Austin, you pretty much just summed up my thoughts right there, so not too much to add, but uh, yeah, I'll just say I agree. The premiere was awesome. Um, I thought it was so cool how they didn't do what you would expect for a Loki show. Like, you, I thought they were going to do like a more Asgardian kind of story with him, and they ended up doing this totally different time travel uh, story thing with the TVA and all that, and I just think it's been awesome so far. And, uh, for episode four, man, this episode, I'm with you, Austin. This one was awesome. Uh, there were so many cool moments. Had no idea what to expect, and I just can't wait to see how this whole TVA thing plays out. And I'm glad we got some answers in this one. And so there's some darkness coming with Ravona that I think we don't know about yet. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much with you guys. Um, I think the reason that I liked episode four so much without giving away any spoilers yet is that it felt like it took all the best things from the past three episodes and molded it into one. Like, my favorite part about episode two, an episode that in general I didn't really like that much, was, of course, the Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson back and forth. And that's back in full force in this episode. Um, and without going too far, it just felt like they took the elements of episode three with Loki and Sylvie. That's still in play here. You get some fun action in this episode. You get some fun, like Austin talked about, you get some questions answered while also setting up new mysteries. So... This was by far my favorite episode, and honestly, this might be, of like all the WandaVision episodes, all the Falcon and Winter Soldier episodes, this might be my favorite like Disney Plus Marvel episode they put out so far. I love this one, so I can't wait to get into spoilers because they did way more in like 40 minutes than I thought they ever would, and it was awesome. Yeah, it, it weirdly felt like a penultimate episode. Like yeah. It felt like we're setting things mm -hmm. up for, for a finale, but we still have two episodes left, and I can't wait to see what we get in the coming weeks completely agree but like austin said there's two episodes left and i think if we're going to talk about the path to the finale we're just going to go ahead and get into spoilers from this point on so everybody that covers our non-spoiler thoughts if you haven't watched the first four episodes of loki yet this is your last chance to bounce on out and go watch it once you've done so come on back to this episode and listen to the rest because now is your official and final spoiler warning we're about to break everything down and we won't hold back so guys let's get into it All right, everybody, are you gone? Good, because Mobius is dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but Austin, who's Mobius? Is that part of the cast and crew? Oh, I think it might be. Austin, let's talk about it. Who's in the cast and crew for season one, episode four, titled The Nexus Event? All right. So Loki, of course, is created by Michael Waldron and directed by Kate Heron. This episode was written by Eric Martin. And of course, our score is composed by Natalie Holt. And for our cast, we once again have Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Owen Wilson back as the now deceased Mobius, <laughs> Sophia DeMartino as Sylvie, and this week they are joined by Gugu Mbatha-Ra as Ravona Renslayer, Wanumi Masaku as Hunter B-15, Sasha Lane as Hunter C-20, and Academy Award nominee Richard E. Grant as Classic Loki, and Jamie Alexander returning as Sif for the first time since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 2015. So guys, who were your highlights from this week? Yeah, I'll shout out to Gugu uh, and Batha Ra. I thought she was pretty badass as Ravona. And like I said uh, in my initial thoughts here, there was some darkness with her. Mm-hmm. Got pretty crazy. But yeah, I really liked her scenes with uh, with Mobius, Owen Wilson, sitting on the couch. And, you know, they're kind of going back and forth. You can tell something was really kind of off with her. Um, and then her towards the end fighting with Sylvie and Loki, which is really cool. And yeah, I really liked her performance in this one overall. My highlight, I think it's going to be Wunmi Misaku as Hunter B-15. I always thought that this character was just kind of going to be your standard, like, good soldier for the timekeepers. She's really bought into the mission. And I really liked kind of the mini arc we got from her this week. And just the emotion she displayed in that final scene with Sylvie, I thought was awesome. Yeah, I mean, she was great. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I didn't expect that that character, after meeting her in the first episode, we would get to a place like this. Super cool. And it's just cool that they introduced Sylvie with this specific power set that would allow for scenes like this and emotional beats. So I love that. Um, this is a tough one. This might be the hardest one to give a shout out to. I, I, I thought everybody even like our normal cast was kind of on top of their game in this one. Owen Wilson in particular, I would say, I thought he continued to give a performance that you wouldn't expect from him. Yes, there's tons of funny moments and he has kind of that dry wit that you always expect from Owen Wilson as well. So it kind of leads to some moments where you're not only laughing out loud, but also chuckling. But he had some great like dramatic beats. Like one of my favorite moments of the episode is whenever he and Loki had their kind of last moment where they both acknowledged their friendship and despite him not having definitive proof he said that he was going to trust Loki anyway and then of course that immediately leads to his apparent death I guess we'll get into if we think that's a real thing but um, I thought he was fantastic and I guess other than that I would just shout out when it comes to Marvel movies and these kind of big universes it's always so fun to get those wow moments from casting so I love Jimmy Alexander and I love the character of Sif that we saw in Thor and Thor the Dark World and for those that don't remember she had scheduling conflicts so she couldn't be in Thor Ragnarok which kind of worked out for her because all of those uh, all the friends of Thor those all those characters were killed in Thor Ragnarok so she actually kind of lucked out and Sif is going to be in the next Thor movie so the fact that she scheduling conflicts was a pretty big win for her and it was so cool to see her in this like weird little time loop scene and then like we like austin mentioned richard e grant who's an academy award nominated actor he was also in logan he was in rise of skywalker he randomly shows up in the mid-credit scene dressed for those who don't know like his dress at the end there was that's how loki looks in the comics like that really colorful like huge horns like i was like that's literally comic book loki this is such a weird variant like I hope he's a big character in the next episode because I was like in shock when I saw him. I was like, what? How'd they get him for this? That mid credit scene is crazy. And we're going to have to talk about that a little later. Um, I really liked everything he said about Owen Wilson and Jamie Alexander. Um, last thing I'll say on Owen Wilson is just he 
is Mobius. Like it does not anymore seem like Owen Wilson as Mobius. Yeah, like, that's a good I'm point. totally like departed from that image in my mind. Like he just has totally embodied this character. He's done such a great job in this show. And um, he really has been, I think, the standout for me in the show just overall. Yeah. Of course, people already memed the moment from this episode. Uh, he didn't say wow this episode, but he did say how. <laughs> Which was really good. I like that. That w- that must have been intentional. All right, Matt. So that's some great cast and crew talk. Please go ahead and remind us what happened in episode four of Loki. All right. So this is a big one. On Lamentus 1, Sylvie tells Loki she escaped the TVA when she was about to be arrested as a child. In the present, Ravona Renslayer informs Mobius about Hunter C-20's death in uncertain circumstances. Loki and Sylvie form a romantic bond, creating a branch timeline never seen by the TVA. Mobius then rescues the two from Lamentus and has them both arrested. Loki tells him that everyone working for the TVA are variants, which Mobius actually investigates, while Hunter B-15 has Sylvie reveal the truth about herself. Mobius frees Loki, but is soon confronted by Renslayer and seemingly killed. Loki and Sylvie are then taken to the Timekeepers. Hunter B-15 intervenes, and in the ensuing fight, the Minutemen are killed, while Renslayer is knocked unconscious by Sylvie, who destroys one of the Timekeepers. Oh no, she beheaded them. Oh wait, it turns out, it's all just androids. So, Ravona regains consciousness and kills Loki, and then Sylvie, in anger, demands the truth about the TVA from her in return. But the episode is not over yet! In a mid-credits scene, Loki awakens in an unknown realm, and he is surrounded by many, many, many other Loki variants. One of them weirdly carrying a hammer that looks like a wrench. Yeah, and one of them, another classic kind of a, I think a bit of a more modern um, comic book entry, which is Kid Loki. Um, <laughs> that's what I was who, about to laugh I mean, that's at. literally what the character's called, I think, is Kid Loki, who is part of the Young Avengers in the comics. So that was kind of funny to see a kid version. <laughs> when it came up, I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> it was so jarring. I loved it. Like this fat kid with black hair just going like this with a hammer, like <laughs> smiling. <laughs> Hello, Loki. <laughs> um, but with that, before we get to that awesome mid credit scene, we got to talk about all the good stuff in the beginning and middle. So let's get to our roundtable discussion, guys. I'll start us off. My main reason, like I said, for liking this episode is it successfully moved past the initial premise of the show. We get Loki and Mobius interaction. We get Loki and Sylvie still. We get really fun action sequences. We get super effective emotional beats. And we get the timekeeper and variant questions seemingly answered for now. And they actually set up some pretty cool questions for the last two episodes, too. So I guess this episode just really felt super balanced to me based on the initial setup of the series. Did you guys agree? How'd you feel about all that? This episode for sure had me the most engaged throughout and it had like the most, um, I guess, jaw dropping moments like Mobius getting pruned. I did not expect that at all. And then when she just throws that blade and and hits the timekeeper's head, that was shocking to me too, especially when you see it roll off. So I totally agree. I loved all the relationship building stuff between Loki and Sylvie. And then I did love the confirmation of the Mobius and Loki friendship, like you said too, Matt. Man, the timekeeper's... When we first saw them, I was like, man, I hope they're fake because they yeah. looked so stupid. <laughs> it did, yeah. But yeah, no, I think everything, yeah, it was a good balance. It was cool watching some, you know, really deep and kind of, I guess, somewhat disturbing scenes with Mobius and Ravona. That, for some reason, that, that drink scene was just disturbing to me. <laughs> I could just tell that she was planning something. Um, and then we'll get into later a scene I really want to talk about is the uh, interrogation scene with uh, Mobius and uh, Loki. I thought that was so cool. 
like you said, Austin kept me super engaged the entire time. Yes, yeah, so I think this one is by far my favorite episode out of the four so far. And even little things that could have sucked, they could have taken the easy way out, still really worked. Like we talked about last week, like one of the main things we disliked about episode three was the cliffhanger ending was so kind of, well, who cares? We already know that the, t- like the TVA can just throw a portal down and take them out. You could have just shown us that, but you're just doing a cheap cliffhanger. And instead of just having that happen in this episode, they actually took time while the asteroids were coming to Earth to set up this weird kind of romantic slash narcissistic bond that Mobius calls it between these two Loki variants. And it's actually kind of sweet and believable in a weird way. And that's when it's like, okay, because they did that, and then it like makes you think, okay, because these two variants of the same person created this bond that's never been seen before, it creates an even crazier branch off the sacred timeline than anybody's ever seen, which leads them to find them on Lamentus, and then the portals pop up. And it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. And it seems like some of those little elements are probably going to come back into play later. So it just felt way more creative than it had any right to be. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned the timeline and the spike there with the Loki and Sylvie romance. And I was really confused because when they show us that little timeline graph, the timeline's stable again. So are we just not going back to the bombs anymore that Sylvie dropped across the timeline? Like, are we, is that just fixed? They haven't addressed that at all. I guess the implication is while they were on Lamentus, maybe the TVA was going around fixing that. Because again, we do have to keep in mind that Sylvie doing that was not the end-all be-all. Like She only did that as a distraction so that you could go in sure. and kill the timekeepers. Still, it's a good point, Austin. I mean, I guess based on seeing that graph, we are to assume that since that happened, the TVA has resolved that issue, um, which I also think is why in the same scene, they showed us the same graph with a spike that is way like steeper than we've ever seen. So I think that was the idea, but still a good point. I didn't think about that. Kind of they swept that bit under the rug, I guess, a little bit. And I'm totally fine with that being a distraction or like a red herring. Like it doesn't, that doesn't have to be the main focus of the show. It's just weird that it hasn't come up once since it happened. Right. Fair. Fair. Okay, so let's get right into the Timekeepers. I've been saying for the past few weeks that they seemed like a Wizard of Oz-style bait-and-switch, and that's essentially what happened and played out in this episode. How did you guys feel about the android reveal? I liked it. Like I said earlier, I knew they were fake right when I saw them. It was like they their mouths weren't moving right. They sounded like shit. Did you guys know what they were saying? Yeah, but I had subtitles on. I didn't, so I was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it looked pretty dumb. Yeah. Um, I think we all kind of agreed that they were not going to be what we thought they were. Right, yeah. But it still kind of begs the question, though, is the TVA still running off of a time loop thing? Are variants actually variants? That's what I'm still kind of confused about, if the timekeepers aren't actually a real thing. I mean, that was the whole thing, Keith. I mean, that's why I like the reveal, too. I mean, my whole thing was we all agreed that the timekeepers clearly are not what they are saying they are. But I was like, maybe they're going to walk in this room and it's just going to be like some random dude. Kind of like, it's like Austin and I, in a weird way, now that I'm thinking about it, Austin and I kind of had different sides of the like classic Wizard of Oz twist. Austin was like, it's going to be, it's nothing. It's just going to be this ruse and there's like something behind it. I didn't say that. I thought it was just going to be like they open the door and it's like there's some like old guy just standing there. And it's like, what? <laughs> just like in Wizard of Oz <laughs> and they go behind the curtain. It's like, oh, you're the wizard? Like I thought it was going to be that. Instead, it was kind of this cool meld between the two along with Keith's thoughts. It's just like, oh, no, they're all androids. But then here was a great cliffhanger for me as opposed to last week. It's like Sylvie pointing the uh, stick at Ravona. It's like, well, so who is running the TVA? They're clearly implying that someone still is, to your point, Austin. And if somebody is, then to Keith's point, 
Why is there a timeline? Who's in charge of it? Is it Ravona? I kind of am leaning towards no, because they did show shots of her walking in to talk to the timekeepers, so she clearly knows the truth, but if she's doing that, then she can't be in charge. So what's going on? Like, I don't know. <laughs> there clearly is somebody pulling the strings, but for what reason and who it is, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I'm starting to think that the biggest lie so far in this show has been the multiverse war. I'm starting to think that that hasn't actually happened yet, and that whoever is behind all of this is trying to start the multiverse war. Just like trying to manipulate the TVA into thinking that they stopped that already, and that's why you should listen to the timekeepers, where in reality, there's a villain behind the scenes trying to start it, which might lead to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and stuff like that. That would make sense. Exactly. And also, Ravona did have that comment back in like episode two, where she was like, the timekeepers are figuring out the ending. They're figuring it all out. So everybody in the TVA is involved, is like really bought in on the fact that there is like an end game to this. And I think the end game is the multiverse war. That's a great point. I think that's a really solid theory, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what happens. Well, Matt, as our resident Marvel historian, do you have any theories on who created the TVA and for what purpose? I definitely don't know the full story. I am going to lock it in that I don't think Ravona is the lead of it. Definitely just a pawn. For what, again, for what reason? I'm not sure what she gets out of it. I am still, from last week we talked about it, I'm going to commit to it still, I think. Based on the way some of the timekeepers looked in person and on that animated thing they showed in the first episode, I, I still think Austin's like Reddit theory that this place exists in the quantum realm is probably true, and I think Kang the Conqueror is going to be one of the big MCU villains in the future. Kang also in comics and other media is obsessed with time, the multiverse, and timelines, so... Him being the one, maybe if we want to kind of put my theory into Austin's theory, if he's the one trying to manipulate things to start a multiverse war, that would fit pretty much into his character. And again, we know that he's popping up in Ant-Man and the Wasp 3, so that's coming pretty soon. So it feels like that timeline would probably fit together. Yeah, no, I love it. I really hope they introduce Kang in this one. Um, use this show to set up our big bad. I really hope that's what happens. Yeah. And so they brainwash all the TVA employees, but they don't brainwash all the prisoners, though. I think it's whoever they can easily manipulate is who gets brainwashed and everybody else gets pruned. Mm. It's like, why not just brainwash Loki right when he gets in there? Good question. Keep in mind, Ravona was pushing for that since the beginning, and Mobius was the only one that said no. Also, it makes you go, okay, so that's why the TVA is so gung-ho about taking down rogue variants. That was our whole thing in episode one. They were calling them rogue variants. Somebody like Sylvie that's actually been to the TVA and escaped, which means she knows her personal history, even though that timeline has now been erased like we saw in the beginning of this episode. So she's a pretty dangerous person to the TVA, like we saw. She literally told a couple people that, oh, you guys are variants, actually, and then showed them their memories. That's pretty devastating to the TVA. That's why they want to kill these people quick. And the fact that they didn't kill her is what led to what happened in this episode. Maybe next week we learn that Ravona was just as surprised to see the head lop off and be an android as Sylvie and Loki were. Maybe. All right, guys. So yeah, I said it earlier, but one of my favorite parts in this episode is another great conversation between Mobius and Loki whenever Mobius interrogates him after the Sif time loop. I thought it was so cool how, his, how he was really trying to warn Mobius, all the employees of TVA being variants, and, uh, but Mobius wouldn't believe him, so we think. And then he switched to his you know, classic Loki mischievous ways to go along with Mobius' narrative of him being the one pulling the strings the whole time, 
just to make sure that Sylvia was alive. So I just thought the scene was awesome and brilliant. So do you guys think that's a fair way to break it down, or am I seeing something different here? What do you guys think? No, Keith, I think you nailed it. I think that's exactly what was going on, and I loved it too. I loved it just as much. I think that scene right after the time loop was so awesome. And even before that, like you said, like watching like the moves Loki goes through, it, it was cool because we were seeing that classic mischievous Loki, like you said, but he was oddly doing it for good, which was a cool little art, like seeing him do that manipulation that we've seen Loki do before, but solely doing it to keep Sylvie safe and taking the blame on himself was like a pretty cool character arc, like a mini arc over the course of just a few episodes. And then watching him in the Sif time loop, not only was it, was it, of course, cool to see Jamie Alexander, but to see her character being used in this kind of fucked up way of just beating him down until he eventually mentions how alone he truly does feel. And then in one moment of redemption, it's like, no, you are alone. You always will be. And then Keith, ah, God, having Mobius come in right after that and just have this scene where he, it's not even like, okay, Loki, I'm going to trust you, but don't fuck me over. He's like, he just says, okay, Loki, do you swear to me this is true? And he's like, yeah. He's like, okay, we got this or something like that. And then like the, basically the last thing he says before he dies in that time loop is, I, I love the line where he's just like, oh, and by the way, Loki, um, you can be whatever you want to be, you know, you can be good if that's what you want, uh, just in case anybody ever told you different, which I just fucking love because it called back to all the times in Loki's past where people have told him that he couldn't be that. And of course, it also does call back to whenever Mobius was interrogating him originally and saying that he was just created to make heroes, quote unquote, feel better because he was born to be the villain. I thought that was so sweet, so awesome. And their friendship's so cool. So yeah, these scenes were awesome. Yeah, that line was awesome for Mobius. Um, I also thought throughout all of this, they did a great job of building tension. I was so frustrated with Mobius and Loki, but in like a really good way, because I felt like they were both wasting time because it, it seems like they're just out of time when they're all being interrogated. Just the way they were like cutting back between Sylvie and Loki and Loki being stuck in that loop and then Mobius meeting with Ravona, all of it felt like everything was happening simultaneously and just like things were moving too fast to allow Loki and Sylvia a chance to escape and kind of counter their plan. And I just felt like the way they maintained that tension throughout this episode really did raise the stakes of this show and just kept everybody so engaged this week. I mean, it was a roller coaster too. I liked how they played with that tension that they established, like you said. And then we have scenes right after that Mobius and Loki scene. It's like, all right, Loki, you and me, friends to the end. We got this. And then they walk out of the portal and immediately it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like they immediately got caught. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you're feeling kind of tense. Like what's going to happen? And then it's immediately like even more tense. And then he gets killed. It's like, oh my God. It's like, it, it was crazy. This episode really was a roller coaster of ups and downs. I thought that he was going to be able to, like, pull it off there for a second. Like, oh, I must have misplaced it. She's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I feel like a typical villain would have fallen for that, too. I'm kind of glad Ravona was just like, all right, kill him. Like, because yeah. it's so obvious <laughs> yeah. something is off. So True. I did like that, too. Yeah. So we talked about it a little bit already, but what did you guys think, like, fully of the element of Loki and Sylvie's burgeoning romance being the cause of a potential cataclysmic event to the timeline bigger than anything that we've ever seen before? I just like their chemistry in general, and Mobius calling out their pairing as part of Loki's narcissism was super funny. To me, this being a first-time thing, it seems like their continued romance potentially could lead to something crazy happening to the timeline and eventually setting up for a possible season two. Like, this kind of struck me as maybe the final moments of the finale is like, 
everything seems fine and then maybe oh no like they've fully committed to each other the timeline it's crazy (laughs) and then (laughs) it's like maybe that sets up for a season two where these two are together but then like whatever's left of the tva has to like kind of help fix the time they caused without like letting them separate i don't know that was just kind of what struck me based on that final scene between loki and sylvie as well whenever he's trying to tell her how he feels and then he gets uh seemingly killed so that stuff was pretty cool to me what'd you think of all that yeah i loved it and like you said matt they have great chemistry i can't tell if if marvel and and the creators of the show want us to feel weird about this romance like, I'm not sure if they want it to seem like a weird thing, but I'm rooting for it. I, I want these two to get together. So I'm totally down with it. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> she is a different version of him, or I guess she is him in a way. So it is, I, I kind of do kind of agree with uh, Mobius. It's like, it is kind of a weird narcissistic thing <laughs> to be in love with another version of yourself. But yeah. I get what you're saying, though, Austin. Like, if you do look at them as separate people, then yes, they are. They do go well together. On that note, Keith, I really, really hope we get a future scene where Loki has to take Sylvie and introduce her to Thor and like explain who she is. I think that scene could be so funny. Who is your girlfriend? Me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your theories on Ravona? I mean, is she a variant as well? Like you said, Matthew, is she just a pawn for whoever is the creator of the timeline or the TVA? What's going on with her? What's going to happen? I think she's just a pawn who believes what she's doing is is good and for the purpose of the timeline. I think she's totally bought in on that. Um, I do also think that she is a brainwashed variant. I kind of liked how in that opening flashback scene, we saw that she actually used to be in the Hunter B-15 role. So it looks like in the TVA, you kind of work your way up through the ranks. So I'm sure at some point she was Mobius and then now she is a judge. Yeah, it also begs the question, how do you get promoted? Like, did she have some secret meeting with the person pulling the strings and then she agreed to tell the lie? Maybe that's what the judge really is of the TVA, somebody that agrees to tell the lie of timekeepers and then you get to do it. But yeah, like Austin said, I thought it was cool, too, that they did. I think they kind of confirmed inadvertently that she is a variant because we saw her in the flashback. I thought it was more cool that she was the one directly responsible for kidnapping a young Sylvie and resetting that entire timeline. And so it kind of set up an interesting rivalry between those two. And I loved how that called back at the end whenever they're going down the elevator and Sylvie's just like, you kidnapped me. I've been on the run my entire life. You destroyed my entire timeline and everybody I ever cared about or knew. Why did you do it? What was my Nexus event? And she's just like, I don't remember. It's like, oh, my God. And I was hoping that Sylvie would, you know, end up enchanting her and seeing if Ravona had Mm. some sort of past as well. And if she was a variant. Yeah, that would have been cool. So let's wrap things up with some mid-credits talk. Um, The scene was really cool. It was really cool to see the other variants of Loki that we saw, like in that TVA presentation. Like, it was cool to have them actually be here in real person in this mid-credits scene. It did raise a lot of questions for me. One of them ties into our talk about the Sylvie and Loki romance. I'm really worried with the introduction of all these other Loki variants. Like, I don't know how all of them survive the end of the show. It kind of feels like they're just father that are going to be killed off in the coming weeks. So. I'm also wondering if there's a way for Sylvie to survive this show, too, with all these Loki variants. Like, do you think this show ends with there just being the one Loki now, or do you or do you think it ends with all these Lokis still around? I don't know where they're at, though. That's the thing. Like, are they in some yeah. sort of weird, like, Davy Jones's locker sort of thing? I don't know. 
I mean, it's weird in the sense that the TVA is using these batons that can, we thought, kill people, but it turns out it just sends them all to this one place. And it's like, why? Shouldn't you be killing these people? I have a theory that the batons kill everybody else, but it didn't work on Loki because he's a god. But I think Owen Wilson's coming back. Like, I, I, I don't think that they have the balls over there to kill Owen Wilson. Like, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to pop up in this same little dimension or pocket, whatever you want to call it. We'll see. I mean, that'd be an interesting twist that they're just sent to another dimension. Then it also doesn't make, like, if there is a villain in charge of the TVA, it doesn't make them seem that scary if they're, if they're not actually killing all right. these people. That's what I, that's, I guess that's what I mean. Um, like, I feel like, the most interesting way to look at it, if you just if you think about, okay, let's just accept that Owen Wilson's dead, then the best way it works is like this baton kills everybody, but sometime in the past there was maybe call him the OG Loki or like the smartest Loki that ever lived, um, found a way to like survive the baton thing. And then every time a variant of Loki has ever been like stabbed, it just like added somebody to his army in this weird little pocket dimension. Like that could be cool. But um, yeah, I don't know because we saw tons of Loki variants at the end. Did we see any other female variants? Did you guys catch that? No, I think it was all men. I have to wonder if there's any relevance to that with Sylvie because I didn't notice any females in that last shot and not that somebody's gender should like be the oh wow crazy but um I wonder I wonder if that's going to play in the fact that maybe the, there being a female version of Loki would have led to something that the TVA was not expecting perhaps I don't know and another thought on the purgatory place where he wakes up it didn't show the surrounding shots but I have a feeling this might be a really scary place because he wakes up and he immediately goes, oh shit, is this hell? There was like one quick panning shot. It looked like an apocalyptic world. Like it's all overgrown and there were like there was like a building that was like bombed out. Dark, scary, burning place. I'm, I'm imagining is what it's going to be. Well, but Keith, the Norse hell is actually a frozen place. It's H-E-L. There's only one L. Shit. If you had the subtitles on Keith, you would have said when he says, is this hell? It's spelled like the North Hell. Wow, Keith, how dare you? Do you know how to read? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Uh, Hold on, guys. I have the best theory that just popped in my head, and I'm going to put $5 on this one. I think at some point in the next two episodes, because this is, we've got to keep in mind, this is the Loki that just came off of the events of the first Avengers movie. I think that Marvel's going to be a little bit cheeky and all these Lokis are going to team up to fight somebody, and we are going to get the iconic circle shot from the first Avengers, but it's all going to be variants of Loki. <laughs> oh, I'm not even joking. I, I bet that's going to happen. It's going to be an old man, and then a kid, and then a guy with a wrench hammer, and then Tom Hiddleston in a weird like skinny shirt with a skinny tie, and then Sylvie. We need Tom Hiddleston to get his double knives back. Yeah. Get him back. Use him to fight. Tom please. (laughs) All right, everybody. So that's going to close us out when it comes to our thoughts with Loki episode four. We are super excited. We have tons of theories. We can't wait to see them play out in episodes five and six. I think out of all the Marvel Disney Plus shows so far, this is probably the most excited. I feel like all of us have been for a finale. And the fact that we have one episode in between is just super exciting to me. I can't wait. If you enjoyed this episode and this series, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, just leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
wherever you get your podcasts, really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday with our bracket format to definitively decide what is the greatest comedy of all time. Our Loki episodes will continue to release every Friday for the next two weeks. I'm actually going to be on vacation next week, so I will not be here. But Matthew and Keith got you covered for episode five. And be on the lookout later this weekend for our newest episode of Co-op Couch to drop. Matt and I will be getting together to discuss all the latest news from E3 2021. And check us out on Instagram at The Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Please go back and check out all of our favorite movies like Hell or High Water, The Mask of Zorro, Cloud Atlas, and Prisoners. And like we've said many times, look forward to our comedy bracket. So go check out movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or School of Rock, just to name a couple. All right, everybody. That's going to close us out. We had a great time. Look forward to all this content we're putting out, and we'll be back in a week with Loki. See you guys. See you. Bye, everybody. Talk to you soon. <laughs>